the service on that guitar. Messed up a few times, but this is the last time you have to deal with me alone, hopefully. Um, the county has uh, put out a new order. Um, basically, the way we understand it is what we read is um, if you're 10,000 feet, square feet or less, you have to be at 25% of your maximum occupancy. For this church, I believe there's about 107 chairs in here, roughly. Um, give or take one or two, but that would put us about 26. Um, so what we've decided to do is, instead of trying to figure out who can come and who can't come, if our praise and worship team comes and joins us, um, and their families, that's 24. So that's right about our, our 25%. So that's what we're going to do. Um, starting this Wednesday, this order comes into effect at midnight tonight. Um, we've already talked to the board members, and that's what we've decided to do, and the, and the praise and worship team are on board with it. So um, it'll be us and their families here next week. Um, and we feel like that it, it is important to open slowly. We don't want to have everybody come back in and rush back in here and, and try to get back to the normal as bad as we want to all be together and we want to love on each other, that it's important for us to open slowly that we don't pass things around or we don't want to see a, a big outbreak of this, this virus happen, especially in our church around the people. We don't want to see it happen anywhere, but especially in our church around the people that we love. So um, it's important to open slowly, and we're going to take precautions as we come back in. We're going to be... Katie and I are going to move down the front. We're going to scoot the altar back. We've already removed the front row of chairs, and we put Alicia on the other side. You'll see it next week. That'll give us our six-foot distancing on everyone in the, on the praise and worship team. Then our families are going to set. Everyone's children will have to set with their family, so um, we'll divide out that way and set in different sections of the church, different rows. We'll put rows between us so that we, we observe the six-foot spacing. Um, there'll be no handshaking, no hugging, and all those things going on for right now. Uh, with that being said, we've talked about even putting an offering uh, plate at the at the back door so that people can just put their offering in or their ties in there so that we're not having someone come around the room and take up offering. And, and I mean, it's not normal how we do it, but this is our normal for a while, okay? We're going to do as close as we can to having service. We want the spirit to move. We want you all to be involved who don't get to be here just yet. We want you to be involved just like you were here, though. So um, we've talked about... During, praise, or during, during prayer requests and praise report time, you could type in your prayer requests or your praise reports, and we'll, we'll have to keep it brief, but Brenda can, uh, she'll be the last one to give a prayer, or the prayer request or praise report, so then she could possibly um, convey your prayer requests and things so that we can all pray for them. We'll pray in our seats. We won't be, we won't be coming to the altar so that we don't um, contaminate anyone in that way. So with all that being said, we're taking precautions. We're going to do this the smartest way that we can think of to do it. Um, and next week, next Sunday, this is going to start this Wednesday, but next Sunday, let everybody know this too, that we're going to be here. If the weather's permitting, we're going to do a drive-in service in the parking lot for Mother's Day so that we can get all those mamas out here and the families out here. And maybe if we can't be, we can't touch each other, we can't be that close, you can still pull up in your car. We'll set up our stuff outside if the weather's permitting. They're talking about a chance of rain right now, but we know that's a week away, so we'll see what happens. So um, let everyone know that if weather's permitting that we're going to... We're, we're planning on having an, an outdoor service, a, a parking lot service, so you'll have to stay in your car. Um, however, with that being said, how many came to have church today? How many came expecting something, right? Today I'm going to be talking to you about executing God's plan, executing God's plan in our life. And I got this message today from the verse of the day. I read the verse of the day almost every day, and I, I am constantly trying to get some God in my life, but I sometimes... <clears throat> and some of y'all can relate to this. Sometimes you don't know where to go read at. 
don't know. I, I went as far as to stand my Bible on the edge and let go of it and see where it falls at and see where I'm going to go that day and, and, and ask God to guide me in that way. And, and there's just always different ways that we're trying to find and we try to follow the lead of the Spirit, but, but sometimes you've got to mix it up a little bit. But the verse of the day is a great place to go, so they give you a different verse every day and it's not something that I picked out. So um, sometimes it speaks to me and sometimes it doesn't, but this time it did. So I read the verse of the day, and it was Acts 4 and 28 this week, and it said, They did what your power and will decided beforehand should happen. They did what should happen, that your power and will, God's power and will decided beforehand, even before he formed the earth, from the beginning, God decided his power and will decided what should happen here, and they did it. And I thought, boy, that sounds great. That's what I want to do. That's where I want to be at. I want to be where God's power and will is working in my life, that I'm executing his plan for my life executing God's plan in my life. So I said, boy, I wonder who he's talking about right there. I wonder who did that in Acts. It could have been the disciples. It could have been. And, and I started going through my mind. I said, well, I just got to go over there and read the, read the chapter. So I went back and started reading it. And guess who they're talking about? Herod and Pilate. Herod and Pilate, when they put Jesus to death, when they tried Jesus, they were playing into the hand of God. They were executing God's plan that he had from the beginning, that he had from the beginning. His power and will had already decided this thing was going to have to be done. And they executed this thing. Even though they were on the wrong side of where we'd think we'd want to be at as Christians, they were still executing God's plan. So I studied this more. And, and, and this week I realized, and I didn't just realize this this week, but I realized how I relate to this story is I struggle all the time for, with, with God's plan for my life. I know that he's called me to preach. I know he's called me to pastor this specific church. I know that he's called me to raise my family in church. And, and the things that he's called me to do and that he, and that he has me to do, but so many times I wonder, am I good enough to do that? I'm not a pastor. I'm not a public speaker. I mean, I wasn't a pastor up until God told me I'm going to be. I wasn't ever a public speaker. I was actually a little bit shy growing up. It might be hard to believe now because I talk to everybody all the time. My wife says I, talk to, I, I hit people up to come to church in the drive-thru. I had a person drop my food on the ground one time because I was asking them about church and they told me some, some story that wasn't true and I caught them in the story and, and changed it around a little bit and they dropped our, our food at, at Burger King. So, however, I grew up shy nonetheless. And so I wonder so many times, am I good enough? I think that might be human nature though. I think that we all struggle with some things, whether it be spiritual things or things that God's called us to do or my wife said this when I talked to her about it, am I, am I a good enough mom? Am I a good enough wife? Am I, we all struggle with different things. Am I good enough in this area of my life? Well, well when God calls you out to do something, I think you really, I mean, I, I see this as a very high office to be in the office of a pastor. So then I'm not, I'm not downplaying anything that you struggle with, but I'm, I'm just telling you this is where I'm at and this is how I can relate to it. So everyone in the Bible struggled though. It's human nature, I believe, that we all struggle with. Are we good enough? Can we do this thing? Can we live this thing down? And to know that everyone in the Bible struggles, it's not, an, it's not a license to sin, though, and just say, well, I can't do it. I'm not good enough. So just throw your hands up and say, I can't live that lifestyle, so I'm just going to sin. I'm just going to do whatever it is I want to do because I know I'm not, I'm not good enough to, to complete God's, to execute God's plan in my life. So with everyone in the, in, in the Bible studying, or struggling, I'm sorry, let's look at Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve came. The serpent came and opposed Eve and said, you know, did God really tell you you can't eat of this tree? Did he really say that to you? And she said, oh, yes. And she was quoting scripture. She was quoting God's word to him. And he kept talking to her, and he kept talking to her. And I believe he came back day after day after day, and he kept talking to her, and he kept talking to her, and he wore on her. And the Bible says that she took a second look. And when she took this second look, then she saw that the tree was good. Right? 
She saw it after she took the second look. So she struggled with this. She struggled with these things. Samson. Samson struggled with, with his emotions. He struggled with his anger. Right? He liked the ladies a lot. Samson struggled in a lot of different ways. I'm still talking about executing God's plan for your life. God had a plan for Samson. Samson ruled over Israel as a judge for 20 years. 20 years, but no one ever gets into that part. We only remember the bad times that Samson had, much like people do today. They only remember the bad times that we have sometimes, right? So Samson struggled in that way. David, you know, if you, if you ask people, they say if you, I don't know this personally, I've never been to Israel, but they say if you ask people in Israel, if you ask Jewish people who was the best, who was the best king that Israel's ever had, most of them will tell you David, King David was. But even though, and Katie's a, a David fan, she's smiling at me real big right now, but even though as great as King David was, and he went out there and fought the, the, the giant, and he was a great man of war, and, and he did all these things for Israel, and, he, and he's, the Bible says he was a, God after, a man after God's own heart, he still struggled. He still struggled with sin. He struggled, he struggled with who he was so, so many times. He, he stole a man's wife, had the man killed, impregnated this woman and, and, and married her and did all these things that he did. He still struggled. He had, he had a downside to David, as great, as, as great a man as he was. Right? Abraham. God made Abraham a promise, told him he's going to be the father of many nations, told his wife he was going to be the father of many nations. Abraham had a patience problem. He got tired of waiting on God, right? Sarah brought her handmaiden and said, here, take my handmaiden. We're too old to do this. You go ahead and take her and make the baby. Make, you, you help God's plan for you. You go ahead and execute God's plan because God has obviously forgotten us here or something. I, I don't know what got in their head. What gets in our head sometimes when God gives us a promise God gives us so many promises, and we still try to do it ourselves, right? We can all relate to that. But so he has this child that's out of wedlock with his wife, and they ended up being, having to cast out the family. Abraham struggled. I'm still talking about all the people of the Bible that were imperfect, and they struggled. Yet they, I, I'm not saying any of these people didn't go to heaven. I believe they're all in heaven, right? A lot of them are in the hall of faith. I don't know how you get in the hall of faith and you're not in heaven. Sure. Solomon, Solomon struggled with the ladies. He, married, he was the wisest man on earth, they say, but to have 700 wives doesn't seem very wise, or three, however it was, he had 1,000 wives and concubines, however it was, that doesn't seem very wise to me. It seems like you're asking for a problem, especially when you're marrying them outside of your religious beliefs. When you marry one outside your religious belief, you're inviting things in. Solomon struggled. Even Jesus struggled. Jesus himself struggled. He said, Lord, if there be any way this cup can pass by, this was already God's will for his life. He was executing God's will for his life. But he said, Lord, if there's any way that this cup can pass, pass by me, please let it pass by me. He sweat. You think he didn't struggle? He sweat blood. The blood vessels and the capillaries broke, broke in his sweat glands. He was so stressed out, they broke and mixed with the sweat. And, and he sweat, literally sweat blood out of his pores. Think about that. He struggled. All these people in the Bible struggled. They were all imperfect. Jesus was perfect. He's the exception. The rest of them were imperfect, and they all struggled, but God chose all of them. Even with their imperfections, God chose them. Now think about this right here. This is big. I just wrapped my head around this this time. I think I got my head wrapped around it. God can still probably give me something else on it. He, I know he can. But he chose all these people before he formed the earth. At the same time, he chose you. Think about that, how big that is. God chose me, well, Jesus was there when he formed the earth, so Jesus is exclusion again, but God chose me at the same time he chose Abraham. At the same time he chose David, he chose you. 
Think about that, how big that is right there. Even though these people we put on a pedestal, he chose us all at the same time, right? Moses, we're going to talk about Moses just a little bit. This, was, this scripture here is Exodus 33, 13, and 14. And this happened even, this was after Moses had already led the children, after Moses was a murderer, first off, then he went out and lived in the desert. God called him back in when he was out tending his father-in-law's sheep. He was out in the desert tending these sheep, and, he, and God shows up at the burning bush and tells him, you know, I need you to go lead these people out of Israel. And he says, I can't do that, God. Did I say Egypt? I need you to go lead these, the, these people, my, my people out of Egypt. I don't know what I might have said, Israel. Israel. Um, thank you. Um, I need you to lead my people out of here, though. And so he says, I can't do that. I stutter. I've got a stuttering problem. I'm not qualified for this. I'm imperfect. So many times we think we're not qualified to serve God. We're not qualified to step out into a call. And I don't want you to be confused today and think a call is just preaching or, or teaching or, or having a job at the church. But a call is whatever God has, has the plan that God has for your life to execute that plan. That's what we have to do is execute that call in our life, right? So Moses, God finally talked him into it, and he went over there, and, and, he, and he said, take your brother with you, and they did all these things. You all know the story. Moses had already seen all the, all the plagues come on, on Egypt, and they'd already came out, and they crossed the Red Sea, and, 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 and the Egyptians ran in there, and the Pharaoh went in, ran in, the water came back and, and drowned all of them. All these things had happened. Moses was going to meeting with God up on Mount Sinai. Right? God would show up in a cloud and he would go there and, and, and all these things were already happening in Moses' life. And God gave Moses the Ten Commandments and he said, you better get down there with those people because they're messing up. And if you don't hurry up and get down there and straighten them out, I'm going to kill you. Or I'm going to kill them. I'm paraphrasing here. I'm going to kill them. So get down there and straighten them out. So Moses goes back and they've got this golden calf down there. So Moses, can you imagine being in charge of two million people that God called stiff-necked, rebellious people? They were rebellious. And he was in charge of two million of them, keeping them straight. And he was, he was the go-to man to God, to go back and forth between, between God and the people and, and to lead, them, lead God's people. God was, or Moses was the link, I guess what I'm trying to say. So it goes on to say, Moses was praying to God after this happened. He's like, Lord, I need some help here. I need some help here. I'm not strong enough. I'm talking about people of the Bible struggling. I need some help here, God. I'm not strong enough to do this without you. Don't even send me over here if you're not going with us. Right? And, in, and in Exodus 33, 13 through 14, go back and read the whole story. It's a great story. I don't have time to read the whole thing. It goes on for chapters. But it says, now, therefore, I pray, this is Moses. Now, therefore, I pray if I found grace in your sight, show me your way. Show me the way you want me to execute this plan for my life, God. You've called me to this calling. Show me how you want it done, Lord, that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight. He wanted a better relationship with God. He wanted to understand him better. He wanted to follow God's plan better. He wanted to execute God's plan for his life and for the calling on his life. And consider that this nation is your people. Lord, consider this church as your church. I'm not the pastor of this church. Lord, you're the pastor of this church. Whatever your call is on your life, this is your people. This is the thing that you want done, God. I'm stepping out here to do this for you. I'm not standing up here to preach today and talking to this camera for me. I'm doing this for God, right? You're his people. This is what Moses was saying. This is how I'm relating to it. Moses is saying, remember, God, that this nation is your people. You put me in this position. I need you to take care of this now. I need you to help me with this. I need to understand how you want me to go with this and what direction you want us to go here, right? And he said, God said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. 
Now think about that right there. When we ask God to lead us, and whatever the call may be, whatever he's having us to step out into, whenever we ask God to lead us and when we ask him to guide us, there's peace in that. There's rest in that. When we know we're following after him, I struggle with this weekly, and I'm going to get, uh, I'm, uh, sometimes daily, I'm going to get back to that here shortly. But God says, Moses, go up. I'm going I'm to do this for you. I'm going to give you a refreshment of me. Go up and get in this cleft, or stand on this rock. I'm going to put you in this cleft. Put his hand on the rock. You all know the story. Most of you do. God put his hand on the, on the cleft of the rock, covered Moses with his hand, walked by. Moses saw his, hand, his hinder parts, and Moses' face, the Bible says, shone. Moses' face emitted, life, or emitted light the rest of Moses' life. He had to wear a veil on his face to talk to people that couldn't stand to look at him. His face was so bright just by seeing God's glory pass by him, just by seeing God's hinder parts, right? Sometimes we need a renewal. Sometimes we need reassurance to execute God's plan in our life. Sometimes we have to be reassured, but I'm feeling like I'm not good enough. I just can't go on any further. I'm not capable of this thing. Lord, show me more of you. How is it that you want me to handle this thing? Sometimes we need that, church. Sometimes we need that. What makes us any different than Moses or any of these other people in the Bible? God chose us all on the same day. He chose us all at the same time. Before he formed the earth, he chose us all. Even though they lived a few thousand years before us, he chose us all. We're all on the same team. We're all here to execute his will in our lives. What makes us in, in, any different than they are? Think about this now. God used imperfect people so we could relate to them. If he used perfect people who never had any, any mishaps or anything go wrong in their life, who were just perfect and never, and never messed up in sin sometimes, if he used those kind of people, we couldn't relate to them because they wouldn't be like us. Are you following me? God still does that. He wants us to relate to them, but he wants the world to relate to us. He's still in the business of using imperfect people for others to be able to relate to. Now, I'm a pastor now, but if you'd known me 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, I was something totally different. I was into drugs and alcohol and, and all the things in the world, anything that I could get into, I was into it. Some people say I was pretty wild. Some people have came to church just to see that it was really me preaching in the pulpit, the guy that they used to know from before. Are you following me? I'm imperfect. And because of that, God uses me to deal with so many people that wouldn't listen to another pastor, that don't want anything to do with someone who's preached for 30, 40 years, that don't understand them at all. And I'm not saying that to say, look at me. I'm just saying God uses imperfect people, and he wants to use you. No matter how imperfect you feel like you are or how unequipped you think you are, God will equip you. He's perfect. We don't have to be. He'll lead us. He'll guide us. He'll teach us to do these things, Right? But we can't allow the struggles or the lies to discourage us. The enemy, when you're, when you're feeling those struggles, when those things come on you, the enemy loves to jump on you and pound on you and pound on you and say, no, you're not good enough. Look at you, what you look like. Look, you, you, haven't, been to, you haven't been to seminary school. You haven't been trained for this thing. You think God really wants you to do this? Look at you. Look how messed up you've been before. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's human nature. He lies to us, and we struggle with it on our own anyway. Then he throws a lie in there too, right? We have to look at God to encourage us, though. Remember always that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not me that has this. It's not me that's capable of pastoring this church. It's God that's capable of leading me into doing it, right? With Moses, there was a price for not doing it God's way. When we try to figure it out, we want to do it on our own, on our own accord, our own will, the wheels are going to fall off of it. With Moses, there was a price, a heavy price, for not doing it God's way, right? 
God spoke to Moses and the people were complaining and they were murmuring just as they always did. And I'm sure Moses was frustrated and feeling, man, this is a terrible spot to be in, in charge of all these people. And, and he was frustrated and, and God said, Moses, take Aaron's staff and go over there to the stone and talk to the stone, speak to it, and I'm going to cause water to come out of this rock. And Moses went over there and he struck, and he struck the stone. He hit it twice with the staff. And God told him, because of this, even though these are God's people, even though you're executing my plan, I'm paraphrasing here, but Moses, you didn't do it my way. So you don't get to go into the promised land now. He called him home. Moses got to go to heaven. Some could say he won in that situation. Or if you're just deceived, if, you, if you're believing those lies that I can't do it, I'm not good enough, I can't speak out, I can't say those things, I can't, I can't talk to that person, they won't respect me, they won't hear what I have to say. If God's telling you to do it, then we have to do it, right? Whether you're rebellious or whether you're deceived, you are good enough. Let me tell you that today. You are good enough. I am good enough to do what God's called me to do. And it's not because of who I am. It's not because of my lineage. It's not because of what I know. It's not because of what I'm capable of doing. It's because I'm good enough because of him, because he's good enough, right? I struggle with this every week. I told you that earlier. And, and so many times it's on Saturday that it really hits me hard. I never thought I knew anything about anxiety until my wife said, that's where you struggle with anxiety at. Every week I feel like I'm not good enough. I don't have enough content. I'm, I'm not going to go long enough. It's not, I'm not going to speak to everyone. I'm not going to be fluent. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stumble and I'm going to fall down. And, and we worry about it all the time and it's human nature. Try to get up in front of people or, or get up in front of a camera and it's, it's different for me. So it's something that I struggle with all the time. And every week I have to realize I don't have this. I don't need to have this. I've got to show up and give my best, and God's got this. <coughs> right? It's because that he's good enough that makes me good enough. In Romans 8 and 37 in the New King James it says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Talking about God. We're more than conquerors because of God. Because God's got it. If I just show up and I'm obedient and I give my best, God's got this. He's not going to call me out somewhere to see me fall. That's not what he does. God's got it. In 1 John 5 and 4, it says this, For whatever is born of God come, overcomes the world. If you, everyone who calls herself a Christian is born again, right? So if we're born of God, we'll overcome the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. And that word victory right there means, in the Greek means means of success. So let's read it like that, can we? And this is the means of success that has overcome the world, our faith. Or in one translation it says, your faith. So we're more than conquerors and we're overcomers because of our relationship with God, right? Because of our faith that he gave to us. So it's just like when we believe for a healing. It's just like when we believe that we're saved. It's just like when we're believing for a deliverance or we're believing for a supply of something, right? We're more than conquerors. We overcome the world because of this faith that he gave us, right? Faith to know that he is God. He's God. <coughs> I have to show up and I have to do my best, right? Some people have been given or, or gifted in talents or abilities or they have the means or they have money to give in a way that God's called them to do, right? And that's all great if you have those things or you're given those things. I haven't been blessed with those things. I have to show up and give my best, and then God takes, whether you have a talent or whether you're just showing up doing your best, God takes that thing, and supernaturally, he uses that obedience. He uses that obedience supernaturally to overcome the world, right? 
to overcome all the odds and execute his will or his plan for your life, for our lives, for everyone's life. Church, God has a plan for your life. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it talks about it. God knows the plan that he has for your life, but he also gave us a free will, and it's up to us to execute that plan in our life. God will help us with it. He'll be right there by our side. He'll see us through any trial or any tribulation. But we've got to be willing. We've got to give him our best. We've got to give him our best. If we could, go ahead and close in prayer. I hope this spoke to someone today. I hope this conviction and, and, and gets you to looking at what, what God wants you to do. And even if you don't know what God wants you to do, if you ask him, he'll surely tell you. <coughs> if you ask him and you really want to know him, and you're willing to be obedient, you're ready to be obedient, He'll tell you, and he'll make the means to get you there. It may, take a, it may take a while. There may be a time of preparation for a calling. There's always a time of preparation for a calling. Well, most all the time, unless God's already prepared you, you didn't even know it yet. That happens too. If we could, go ahead and close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. We love you, Daddy. We just praise your mighty name. Lord, I pray that you would have your way on this day, Lord. Touch your people, Lord. Touch our minds. Continue to, to condition our minds, Father God. Help us to condition our minds, Daddy. Lord, continue to draw us near to you, Father God. Continue to cause us to hunger and thirst after you, Lord. Set a fire inside this church, Lord, that cannot be contained, Lord. One that spreads, Father God, because people are executing your will for our lives, Daddy. Give us a boldness, Lord. Teach us how to get further in this execution, Lord, of your will, Daddy. Lord, show us what your will is for our life. Lord, equip us for these things, Father God. Lord, just, just continue to draw us near to you, Father. Lord, we pray this to you, and we pray that you would keep us safe, Father God. Coronavirus, we command you to die and dry up, blow away from us in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that your word says that, that uh, when the enemy comes against us like a flood, that you'll rise up like your standard of protection, Father God. And Lord, we thank you for your standard of protection against any virus, any sickness, any fevers, any disease that want to come against us and oppose us, Father God. Lord, we thank you that, you're, we're your, that we are your children, Daddy. And we just praise your name, Father. Have your way on this day, Lord. Keep us safe, Father God. Bring us back here on Wednesday, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. That concludes our service. We'll see you at 730 on Wednesday.